Soul Insights Podcast. First, do no harm. How to step up and love in a pandemic where Amazon, big tech, and other social media platforms can continue to distract and make billions off of us. We are here together on one finite planet in a vast and amazing universe. Beyond the polarized media worlds we live in, no matter what our identity or political party, the concept in Latin, premium non non sere, first do no harm, which comes from the Hippocratic Oath. What if this principle was fully applied to all of our lives? We as a collective, especially during this pandemic, are often very stressed. During these challenging times, we need to hear people who are telling the truth, who are honest about what they see and feel, no matter who they vote for or where they come from. Sometimes feelings are not pretty or positive. There's deep pain, grief, and utter confusion. Our current situation is very, very complex, and it's not solved by just letting those who can work remotely online do their job. While there is a great percentage of the population who are deemed essential and are working a lot without any personal protection, or there are those of us who are plugged in and watching nonstop news cycles, comedians, political personalities, there are spiritual leaders that claim it's all about ascension while ignoring some very serious concerns about how people are going to eat and pay rent. A spiritual bypassing that happens to those already marginalized and being on Zooms all the time when they're getting hacked all over the world and people are sharing very intimate details of their hearts. People deserve to have encryption and their privacy respected. As almost everything begins to shift during this pandemic, there's no way for those of us who have true empathy to be complacent or ignore the cracks in inequality and cruelty that were present even before this virus arrived. There are people who have a profound understanding that everything is connected and separation, it's an illusion. There's still time to design and dream of more humane ways of living and doing business. I'm a part of a generation that was lucky enough to know what life was like without internet or cell phones. As truly awesome as this technology is and all the possibilities that can happen, the proliferation into all aspects of our world and intimate lives has also made private life and social interactions very different. Very few realize today how much of their attention and how much of their life in subtle and not so subtle ways have been hijacked by platforms and companies that make billions off of them, as well as shape social, political, and cultural landscapes across the world. Somehow, most people I know feel their phone and their computer are their connection. There's a majority that don't even care about privacy or what their children or their youth are watching. The massive amounts of unregulated data they are generating and is being sold. Social polarization in corporate and social media platforms was evident even before this worldwide pandemic. 
Social isolation started with the proliferation of smartphones combined with social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. On the streets, in restaurants, cafes, theaters, at work and home. People were glued to screens, taking tons of selfies, posting and feeling connected. Yet many had no idea about how these platforms were designed like casinos to keep people in, how they feed us what we want, can boost false egos, and they were at the same time rewiring brains with images, notifications, and of course, the likes. Seven years of my life were glued to and fascinated by Facebook. I loved seeing other people's personal impressions and things about their lives that I maybe never would have known in person. I can still be pulled in by the unique ways that youth and others market themselves and their ideas on Instagram. And user-generated content can be fun, instructional, and inspiring. This is not all bad or negative. As a former student of media and technologies, I observed how since 2010, a huge part of our social life became about screens everywhere. This manufactured content, nonstop videos, texting and posting. The majority of people I knew began to live their lives through these platforms, marketing themselves, while at the same time, very ignorant to the billions that were being made off their data and the massive gentrification that big tech had indirectly caused in the once affordable Bay Area. Over the last 10 years, I've had direct experiences and conversations with people about substandardized working conditions for subcontractors and others who have worked in tech. People who have been at world-famous universities and billionaire tech companies, as well as those who cleaned and served food every day for these companies. Beyond the glitter of the tech heroes and the hype, even before this current pandemic, there were some of us who knew and cared about how companies like Amazon was taking advantage of its warehouse workers while also not paying federal taxes. We couldn't ignore how the workforce in many tech jobs were mainly men with very few women, as well as the glaring issues like how Facebook and their paid, targeted political ads were directly related to the election results of fascist governments across the world. If you'd like to learn more, I highly recommend The Great Hack on Netflix, and also to read Anti-Social Media, how Facebook disconnects us and undermines democracy. And even today, there are few of the billions of users who understand that AI is already here. That with every text and image and spoken word that you give to your cell phone or your computer, there are apps and platforms that take that data and curate it so that you can have lovely ads on your daily feed information bubble. There are some people who have fully grasped, including politicians, that Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, they're all owned by Facebook, was making billions off of people's data, shaping elections, as well as boosting fascist governments and movements across the globe. And yet, 
right down the street from their headquarter campus. There were locals getting pushed out of their neighborhoods or people living in campers just miles from the famous larger-than-life like button where people love to come from around the world and take their picture with it. There were some of us who have clearly seen how this gig app economy born in Silicon Valley didn't really care about much of its workforce or those who lived in poverty around them. And yet, each time I brought up these issues over the last decades, many friends and acquaintances in the Bay Area and beyond have chosen to ignore these things and continue to use these platforms and low-wage services. Their use was also about their own convenience, their own marketing or pocketbook, and just simply so they could feel good with their connection, regardless of what may have been happening behind closed doors. I understand people are busy and a lot of us are in survival, but I can't understand how we willingly turn away from very important issues like this. There were artists, activists, writers, medical professionals, small business owners, all of those who claim and actually do care about others and yet continue to directly use and sell their businesses or their books on platforms like Amazon, Facebook, Instagram. And so few grasp or they just choose to ignore that these same platforms are also responsible for some very dark things across this world. These acts and these behaviors, if they were taken out of context from these platforms that we love, profit from, and use daily, I'm sure we would not participate in them. Or is it simply that we must just accept these practices in order to stay connected, share, buy things we like, stay relevant and in business? What happened to people caring about others or keeping large corporations in line? Why is it that the collective seems to have lost its power to demand change from the companies that make billions off them? Was the convenience and the dopamine hits from notifications and likes and stats more important than trying to grasp the collective and how these platforms directly affect us all? Or was it I was just a crazy lady who should step into place and ignore these disturbing realities? I wonder today how these companies and social patterns of looking away out of convenience have also led to greater challenges today in our society. This isn't about punishing or blaming anyone. This is about looking deeply at how these platforms and companies play some very dark games and how complacent I've seen almost everyone I know become. I'm still mystified at how little most people seem to care or reflect on how their computers and their cell phones are made or what happens in Amazon warehouses, or how their data is being used. Most people don't even know who Edward Snowden was or care about his message. I wonder if the general public knew the real statistics on how much money Facebook, Instagram, and other companies make off their data, 
If they would consider how hoodwinked the general population worldwide has been, I wonder if more tech companies were regulated to actually pay people for their data and let them choose where and how it is sold. How many people across this world right now would be in better economic shape during this pandemic? Data is the new oil. And if people took a pause from posting their beautifully sculpted, beautiful bare asses, filtered faces, gourmet food, yoga positions, vacations, and family pictures for just a bit, and they took just some time to become big data and social media literate, maybe more of the billions that go each quarter to Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp could serve more of their users especially for what we're facing across this world, which sadly, in many places will be serious economic depression, especially in the countries like the United States that have very few safety nets, and the possible collapse for those less fortunate as this pandemic continues to unfold. The world needs our inner knowing and guidance more than ever. Unplug for a time each day or even longer if you can. Get back to being with yourself, that part of you that is more than what your left brain thinks your followers like or even what you stream or post. The essence of what you are without any of the extra noise is sacred and it knows more than most people realize especially during these times of entertainment screens and 24-hour distractions many of us are looking and desiring for other ways to function how we can assist others and live in solutions dearest listener things may not be the same for many people in the United States and beyond. There was a collective failure in the last three months to protect not only the frontline brave people working in the hospitals, but also the majority of the brave, not always recognized yet vitally important humans that have been deemed essential workers. As a female media tech professional, and a service worker, I and many of my colleagues have had to speak up or request basic working conditions, credit for work done, as well as equal pay. In organizations where there was weak leadership, oftentimes for speaking up there were consequences, intimidation, threats, and even forced non-disclosure documents from those in power. These patterns of dismissal and denial, many have seen over and over, both in the U.S. and internationally. They're nothing new. And I also say with absolute confidence that the people who are the clients, who are the customers, have immense power to influence those who are in power to improve their workplace practices and the quality of life for their workforce. We also need discernment. And this comes not from reaction, but from truly listening to others, being curious, 
as well as listening to yourself. It seems like a paradigm, but there's something very powerful, and that is to cultivate compassion for everything. Yes, even for the bullies and the angry, misguided who project fear, compassion is a strong medicine for the present and the future. We cannot progress based on fear, hate, violence, accusations, projections, and blame. Why feed the broken systems when there's a capacity to create new ones? And why not directly ask these tech platforms and companies to step up and not only protect their workers, but also pay those who clean for and feed them living wages with basic protections and sick leave. And while we're at it, why not also ask for payment and transparency with the data that we generate every day on social media and beyond? The people deserve better. And creating change will take many of us to look at new ways of conducting business and living from a place of love that understands we are capable of much more than oppressing, blaming, or ignoring others for personal power, promotion, dopamine rushes, or convenience. What if we stop looking away, ignoring, saying it's all impossible, and started looking at what we can do. Why not also look at other places in the world like Taiwan and other countries, study what they have done and what they are doing to ensure safety and care during this pandemic. Whatever comes, whether there's joy or deep sadness, days of breakdown, death, confusion, survival, or even thrival, we can continue no matter what to listen, stay curious, love, be creative, think out of the boxes we were placed in. Empowerment and ways to uplift during these challenges are key. There are opportunities to design, imagine, and create businesses that consider all workers, supply chains, clients, and nature. Self-serving and ignoring harm to others are business systems that do not respect the whole of society and our environment. We can do better stepping up respectively for workforces and our data rights. Could we work towards empowering our fellow humans? And how about considering unplugging from the cell phone and the screens and spending more time with yourself working from a place of love, from that place of unity is one of the most powerful things we can do for ourselves and all the life that makes up this precious world. Let's live from unity.